0: Before we get to today's episode of Off the Bench on the Wizards Podcast Network, we want to remind you to download the Wizards app on the go and in the palm of your hand. The official Washington Wizards team app is your mobile home for all things Wizards. Everything you need to know when it comes to game previews and recaps, radio broadcasts, and stats, all at the touch of a button. You can even access the Monumental Sports Network and the Wizards Podcast Network with ease. Download the official Wizards team app today.
1: What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group and part of the Wizards Podcast Network. I'm Jackson Filio, joined by Zach Rosen of Wizards Digital, and we are talking all things Game 4 and uh, upcoming Game 5 here today. Just a reminder that everything Wizards playoffs related is presented by Capital One. So, Zach, there's obviously a lot to talk about coming off a a pretty exciting Wizards win in Game 4. Um, you know, not all positive news, some big injury news on both sides that we will get into, but, um, let's start with some of the other stuff that happened on the court. I mean, it was a big game from Rui Hachimura. Russell Westbrook puts up a, a pretty wacky, but impactful line. Uh, the Wizards employ a, a hack of Simmons strategy down the line and, and Brad is Brad kind of all the way through and, and gets his and, and makes an impact. Where do you want to start? What kind of jumped out to you most notably in this game?
0: I mean, I think first and foremost, you have to look at um, backs against the wall in the way that the team just, just came through. Um, they weren't dealt, you know, a great situation, obviously. Um, and it really seemed like they weren't in – their mindset wasn't like, all right, we lose, season's over, one, two, three, Cancun, you know, the, the classic end-of-season um, feelings. And, and I think Rui – really kind of stepped up biggest, especially once Bertans goes down. Growing up right in front of our eyes, you know, sometimes even I'm, I'm the big culprit of this. Sometimes I want these guys to be 27 right now and four, four seasons of playoff experience. But you get it, you get it by going through it. You get it, you get your first game in the playoffs by going through it. You get your first situation being down old two by going through it. And today, we were zero and three going into this. So, but he was—he was a big, big part of us on both ends of the floor. He's a multi-defender. Uh, you can guard m- many different types of players. And I thought defensively, rebound—we need his rebounds. We can't just rely on our point guard getting rebounds. Uh, but he was good on guarding. He was good on making shots. He had a big three, and I had a big defensive possession, not too far from one another. Ruby is one of the only three-point threats on the floor, and—and um, and that's not. Something that he's had before. I mean, he's really just shot the ball really well in this series, and it's a little easier when you play with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal to get open. And I think the way that um, that Brad drove <clears throat> on that three pointer to to Rui um, for the with like forty five seconds left was the really the uh, the key play in the game because it showed Brad's trust in Rui. It showed that um, the team doesn't need Brad or Russ to make every shot make every play and Ruby was just so excited I mean the whole game you look at all the photos he's just so excited he gets into Tobias Harris's face and gets a technical he's like I never thought I'd get a technical Um, that's just not his personality I remember when he when he got the technical and like showed that emotion I was like this is weird this isn't Ruby he's having an out-of-body experience and but that's like the Russell Westbrook attitude that kind of rubs off on him. Um, and, and as we've talked about a lot, like this team, when it's at its best, takes on Russ's identity when it comes to winning. So Rui was first and foremost. I mean, obviously, Brad made some big shots. Russ had, I mean, he had 21 rebounds, like the most rebounds by a garden was it since 04, 05, or 03, 04? Um, and it was just a really great performance by the team's uh, big three players. But Bertans and Lopez, um, <clears throat> I thought they were kind of the secondary guys. who kept him alive in the first half. Uh, Obviously, there's foul trouble with Len and Gafford. Lopez comes in, plays 13 straight minutes, and he's just – he can't be stopped. He's making plays defensively. Ironically, makes the play that kind of hurt Embiid, and it wasn't a a foul or anything. He blocked the shot cleanly, Embiid just fell awkwardly. So, um, just a great team performance. Talk about Neto, Gafford, five of the team's 12 blocks. Um, so a lot of what we saw towards the end of the season, really, the, so that's what was different is that Rui really stepped up. I think everything else we've seen in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, besides Rui.
1: Yeah, and you look at his numbers. He puts up 20 and 13. It's his first playoff double-double, but it, it was such a, a low usage, 20 and 13, and the Wizards don't need him to be a guy that they necessarily lean on every single possession. I, I think the way that we've kind of described him in the past is that he's just this elite role player he can do so many different things for the team on on both ends of the court that defensive versatility is vital against a team like Philadelphia as big as they are Um, and then just kind of fill your role be in the right spot and knock down the shot when you get a chance on offense I mean you mentioned the the big three contributions from the Wizards for Brad Russ and and last night it was Rui they each played almost 42 minutes I mean that that's that's way more than you've seen for a, a guy like Rui and you know, Brad and Russ have hit those numbers a couple of times. Um, but for, you know, Rui to play those minutes and, you know, kind of be leaned on a little bit more than, than normal, but also not force it. I mean, he was eight to 12 from the field and three is six from, from deep. Um, he was everything they needed them to be uh, basically, basically all game. And, you know, they finally, it seems like they figured something out against Tobias Harris a little bit. I mean, he still scored 20, but, Just eight of twenty-four from the field and and one of five from three. Rui, you know, talked post-game about how he's kind of switched back and forth between Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, and that defensive versatility is—it's just—it's crucial against a team as big as Philadelphia is. But when that size is as mobile as it is for them, um, those big guys can move, Uh, and you know, there aren't a lot of guys on this Wizards roster that can necessarily match up with that, and and Rui is one of them. And you know, we'll we'll dive into the injuries a little bit more, but like that that's going to be even more impactful for the Wizards going forward here as we see some smaller quote unquote, smaller Sixers lineups, um, you know, possibly without Embiid here. And and Rui's going to have to guard those bigger guys while running, because I would imagine they're going to play faster. Um, and, you know, I, I just, it, it's, everybody kind of did their part. Daniel Gafford got a start uh, for the Wizards here and, and he came through and did exactly what he needed to. He made all four of his field goals and, Five blocks, It was the first time in a long, long time in Wizards history, and you mentioned Robin, super effective uh, and efficient off the bench. It was just kind of a a do-it-all performance. Guys knocked down threes when they needed to. Davis, you know, finally it seemed like he got hot three of six from three before he exited with the injury. It was just kind of a complete team performance.
0: Yeah, and I think that, like you mentioned, the bigger takeaways is the the way we saw the second half play out. If Embiid is hurt, Bertans, uh, if he's hurt, it's going to be that exact kind of game. It's going to be played quicker. Philly is going to go small. Dwight Howard's their only traditional big. And he just, he's not at an age anymore where he can play, you know, more than six, seven consecutive minutes. So does he even start? I would assume he starts um, because when Embiid didn't play this year, I believe Howard started. But the fact that Mike Scott is kind of their backup big and he wasn't even playing in the first three games of non-garbage time, it kind of shows like that's, their, their depth issue is at center, but like, look at who their center is. It makes sense that perhaps they, they don't have as much of an investment in that position. Whereas the wizards don't really have a standout, you know, all NBA all-star at center. So they go by committee, especially with Thomas Bryant down. Um, so I think you look at that, uh, it just, it's so much easier to defend them without Embiid. It's pretty simple. Um, but if he is back, uh, you go back to the drawing board and you have to create opportunities you're only going to beat this team with Embiid if you can hit jump shots. Um, and, and that's just fact. That's the way they defend. They want you, they force you to shoot threes. The Bucks play the same way defensively. Um, and I wonder, you know, if Berton doesn't go, do you throw in Garrison Matthews in the starting lineup just to stretch the floor in a similar way? Uh, I would be pretty surprised if they went back to Neto just based on, you know, how big the Sixers lineup is, but maybe if they go small, then the Wizards can go small too. Uh, with no Embiid, so a lot up in the air. You know, by the time this post, we'll we'll probably know more. Um, but the strategy definitely doesn't change a a ton from the second half if Embiid and Bertance don't play in Game Five.
1: Yeah, and I, I I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I just think what what's most interesting about this Philadelphia team is what going big or what going small means for them is completely different than what it might mean for. Another team. When we talk about the wizards going small, it's three guards out there. It's Brad and Russ and Neto or Ish or something like that. And it's super fast. And there's, you know, guys that give up something in the size department, but beat you in the speed department. The Sixers, we saw them go small for most of the second half in game four. You know, Howard only played five minutes in the second half. And you know, you still have guys like Tybell and Simmons and Tobias Harris out there that are are big human beings. Like Ben Simmons is a six ten point guard. That's not going small, but for the Sixers, it's going small. So do they play faster than they normally do? We know that they're traditionally very slow and the Wizards have done what they could to try and get out and transition and and beat them that way. I mean, the Wizards outscored them 21 to seven in fast break points in in game four. You know, they were finally able to have some success in that department, but it's, you know, Joel Embiid is a a gravitational pull, not just for the Wizards, but the way the Sixers structure their entire strategy is built around this seven foot three, 300 pound guy that has to get down the court before, um, you know, he can begin to initiate offensively or, you know, do what he does defensively. So they can now play faster. And like I said, they don't give up a ton of size when, when they play smaller. So the Wizards are going to have some adjusting. do. you mentioned the starting lineup? I, I agree. I think they go bigger than Howell, but at the same time, you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they just lean in on, on speed. You know, the, the Wizards were the fastest team all season. Um, and while they have struggled uh, in the early going in this series, that they were the fastest team throughout the stretch where they won, you know, however many games they won in April. Um, you know, it 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 has worked for them. They have found success in it. I think the one big thing that changes for them is is the shooting, and you know, they have not been able to shoot at all from three point range this series. And it it's a bummer to see Davis go down right after he seemed to kind of get it going. But look, if you can patch together some shooting elsewhere whether that's Rui or, or Brad or maybe there's more garrison minutes then it's workable and uh, I think what you lose more than Davis's shot making is you know, not to say gravity twice in a couple minutes here but his own gravitational pull on on the Sixers right. defense you see even on, on nights when he's shooting O of six from three the, the Sixers defense are still just sprinting towards Davis Bertans as soon as he catches the ball and that's that's what you lose. And when you're already struggling to knock down threes, that's going to be a a challenge for them. Um, But, you know, maybe beyond the injuries, Zach, what are you looking for, um, you know, specifically in game five that the Wizards can do to keep this thing going? Cause I think, you know, there's a little, uh, a little sliver, a little sliver of hope, you know, with, you know, for reasons you would never root for, but um, you could tell post game that there's a little bit of belief in the building for the Wizards and, um, I, I think they believe they can really make something happen here.
0: Yeah. I mean, they got over the hump in game four, even when Embiid was playing. I mean, it was a close game. The Wizards were right in there um, in the second quarter, even before he goes down. Um, I think, you know, adjusting to the Wells Fargo center is going to be full, full capacity on Wednesday for the first time since basically March of 2020 so that's something I'm going to pay attention to, because for those of us who have been to a game there, which I know you have, I have, it is loud. It is a hard place to play. They're home, they have the best home record, I believe, in the East over the past whatever number of years. The Wizards have really struggled to win there in general. So that's kind of what I look at. I know it has nothing to do with what's happening on the court, but like in, in my mind, like we saw the impact the Wizards crowd made yesterday. We saw in game three, it was kind of a blowout, but in the beginning of the game, there's a lot of energy on the Wizards uh, fan base and then Philly in the first two games, same thing. So I'm looking at that. And then I'm also looking at how does Doc Rivers respond to the hack of Simmons stuff? I know that he stood by him after the game yesterday. Um, just how much does Scott Brooks use that again? I mean, it was super effective for obvious reasons. Um, and if Simmons starts hitting the free throws, great, then they stop doing it. So I don't see any harm in, in trying it here and there. I do think it slows down the rhythm of the Sixers and get letting them get in transition, but at the same time it slows down the Wizards, who are a much better transition offensive team than a half-court offensive team. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's, it's a lot more of the same. Obviously, the injuries impact just about everything. I say if Embiid plays and Gafford starts, Gafford needs to stay out of foul trouble again. Um, does is land out of the rotation, especially if MB doesn't play? Probably in my mind, based on what we saw yesterday. And then for the Wizards with no Bertons who's gonna play? I I assume you'll see a mix of Anthony Gill, Garrison Matthews getting more opportunities, maybe maybe Hutchison. Uh it, it is kitchen sink game when you're down three, whatever, three-o, three-one now. You got to try whatever it takes to stay alive. So Um, I know the message to the team at this point is let's get back to DC. Our fans deserve to see us again, take it one game at a time. And also, I mean, we've already kind of forgotten about it, but we haven't even mentioned it, but like Russ is still hurt too. So how is he going to look? Shooting was off in game four, but it didn't really even matter. I mean, he made most of his free throws. His line was just absolutely absurd. Um, He's really one of a kind. So uh, let's take a look at how he's feeling. It seems like Beal is just about back to 100%, as he said, probably 90 to 100. So that's good. He was limping at times, but he seemed okay. He's a really tough guy. Um, kind of plays like he has a football player body. <laughs> like he can take the hits. It's just more so the muscular and, and uh, other things that can happen to you
1: yeah the Russ line is something man I mean there's not many guys that can shoot three for 19 in a playoff game and you look and, and see and they're still there's still a plus and I don't even just mean a, a, like a plus minus in the box score plus but like it uh, just you know they they brought more than they they cost their team and you know you, you said he made the majority of his free throws that's kind of underselling it he made 13 of 16 free throws you know what I mean like Brad shot seven of eight he made most of his free throws too but Russ you know realized he, he didn't have it from a shooting perspective and still, managed to get to the line 16 times um, and you know, super active on the board, 21 rebounds, six of those offensive, the Wizards uh, second chance points in the first half were pretty crucial for them kind of getting back in that game. I, they really took advantage of the fact that Embiid was out and I think attacked the glass more than we've, we've seen them do in the past. And, you know, a lot of that is Russ's attitude and him leading by example there, but um, yeah, man, he was, he was fantastic. And then, the center rotation stuff just fascinates me because if, if the Sixers do go small, Gafford is that guy that you can leave out there. You know, he's so athletic. He's so fast. And, um, you know, he and Coach Brooks have kind of talked how he kind of needs to play in spurts still. You know what I mean? He can't run as fast as he does and jump as high as he does and block as many shots as he does for, you know, an entire quarter. That's that's exhausting um, the way he plays. So he'll still have to be managed and do it in spurts. But he's going to, if they're going smaller, he's going to play a much more sizable, Role, uh, no pun intended there, but, um, you know, and, and then you can throw um, Robin Lopez out there and watch him get to that hook shot whenever and wherever he wants it, when he's going against these smaller defenders. So look, there's, we're recording this before we have um, all the news on, on Joel Embiid and, and Davis Bertans, but I, I think we all have a pretty good idea of how that's going to look at least for, for game five. And um, that creates a, a really interesting scenario, I, I think on both ends of the court. I said the last game, man, just embracing, embracing where we are, um, you know, embracing, you know, us being down in the series like we are. But, you know, it's it's one game at a time. You know, that's that's all we can control. And that's where our, our focus and mindset needs to be. You know, we're not going to win one game that equals four. Uh, you know, so we just got to literally take it a day at a time, a game at a time. You know, let's, we get our rest tonight, tomorrow
0: and be ready to go on Wednesday.